If there's one thing in our culture that we are particularly bad at right now, I think in the West, it's sitting down and having a long, robust conversation with somebody that thinks differently than us. Um, I think we just really uh, have gotten good at insulating ourselves with voices that say what we already agree with. Um, and for that reason, I think we've actually gotten a lot dumber uh, and a lot less loving along the way. Um, part of, I think, uh, what should define us as Christians is that we have such confidence in the gospel um, and confidence in Christ that we are willing to sit down and talk to people that don't necessarily believe the gospel in the same way that we do or believe the Bible uh, with a sense of authority in their life. I think in order to do that, though, it takes a few ingredients. For one, I think it takes relationship. Uh, it means having enough relational equity with someone that when you disagree with them or you tell them something that they maybe don't believe that, that they can absorb it. Uh, secondly, I think it takes time. Uh, it takes time more than a three-minute YouTube dialogue conversation um, that may be more entertaining but less helpful can really provide. Uh, and, and thirdly, I would also say um, it takes listening. <laughs> And I think a lot of times the reason we're so poor at sharing the gospel is because we don't actually listen to what someone actually believes. Um, it's like a doctor trying to diagnose a cancer when he hasn't taken the appropriate tests to figure out exactly what type of cancer it is or where it even lives. And so I'm, I'm hoping to, to model that for you in, in, in a way that um, maybe will be encouraging. And, and Trevor Yarish, who is a friend of mine who owns this uh, hive that we lease on Sunday mornings, um, him and I have created a friendship, and, and we have different views about the authority of the Bible and about maybe the person and the lordship of Christ. But what we do have is we have a good friendship, and uh, we're able to sit down and have good um, dialogue about what we do or do not believe and uh, questions that we may have. And so uh, we decided to sit down and record one of those for you. And, and what I hope that you'll gain from this is not that I have all the answers and not that I'm even able to answer all of Trevor's questions, but just that it is possible to sit down with uh, someone who doesn't believe um, the Bible in the same way that you do and, and to actually have a civil and robust dialogue um, that can even end sometimes in still not believing the same thing. Uh, it doesn't always have to be a frustrating debate. Um, so hopefully that'll encourage you. And I know that we live in a soundbite culture with an attention span of about three minutes, but if you have the time and, and if you're able to tune in for the whole thing, there are some interesting points I think in here that both of us make. And, and I hope that it'll give you maybe a little bit of a window into the way that some people think that don't believe exactly what you believe so that we can better nurture and better deliver the gospel in a more um, accurate and a more helpful way to those that don't believe it. So may this be a blessing to you. Jesus' name. Enjoy. Um, there's some real big topical things that I'm just really curious yeah. about. I've been curious cool. about for a long time, and I really respect your um, uh, just just your path of learning, and you seek um, truth, and you also. Uh, are extremely strong in your faith. And so that combination is, I think, something that um, I admire a lot in you and I also uh, respect and honor and I want to, and, and, and again, it's an opportunity to me to sort of hear, get, gain some perspective from you. Awesome. So, well, thank you. That's my praise. Um, one thing that, one thing that uh, is, is sometimes hard to tease apart um, and we might get into a little bit is this sort of dichotomy between religion and belief systems 
and philosophy, right? So they intersect um, when it comes to morality and ethics and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, So we might end up, some of these are borderline philosophy things, but uh, when I dig into that, it seems like maybe for Christians, philosophy is very much tied into the belief system. Like that determines philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. Is what it feels like. So here, here are, um, here's, I'll I'll just, uh, no softball questions here. All right. These are all, yeah, (laughs) I'm just going to start right out. Sounds good. I sort of broke these into some topical areas. Okay. So, um, with so many religious, uh, groups or churches, um, claiming to be the true church, yeah. worshiping the one true God, right? And I'm sure this is one that, that comes across yeah. a lot. Um, but the part that I struggle with is how, how can anyone coming into a setting, a church, for instance, for the first time, um, know which is the right one to follow? Yeah. Like, how do you know? How do you, right? you know, because it, there's claims that, this is the right one. This is the one true God. This is the one truth. And how do you know when that's right yeah. or real? It's a great question. And um, I think it's probably the most important question you could answer. And first of all, I love that you and I agree on something. And that is that there is truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people in our current um, setting in our world, they don't believe that there is ultimate truth. They believe truth is relative, right? So even the fact that you would ask me that question, I think is cool because I think it's admitting that there is truth and that we are on a journey as humans to figure that out. Um, And so that's cool. Um, But I think, first of all, what's helpful for me is admitting that um, you can't avoid believing something. I think a lot of people have this um, wrong idea that there is um, neutrality, um, that neutrality is an option. That, uh, you know, I can just sort of believe nothing and therefore I'm neutral. But I think for me, everyone needs to start at this place where you go, no, everyone's believing something. There is no neutrality when it comes to belief. And uh, so therefore, you know, okay, for example, so even even the secular atheist who says, um, I don't believe that there is any higher power or God or anything that we weren't created, that everything is sort of accidental, um, even them to some degree are leaping in faith and believing in their particular perspective and they're believing in science or they're believing uh, or being shaped by someone's thinking that has led them to believe that. So even atheism is a belief system. Uh, even, even a secular person who says, I'm not, I'm not religious, their religion oftentimes is science or, or whatever. Uh, it may not be in the same wrapper, but it's the same consistency ultimately. It's, it's the idea that I'm informing my reality based off of the truth I've accepted. Um, but because none of us have all knowledge, all of us at some point are leaping in faith. Would, mm-hmm. you, agree, would you agree with that? Because none of us know everything in the universe. Right. All of us are left to some degree to choose to believe something. And so for me, you know, when I have, when I have this conversation with people, I, I, I try to get to them, I try to get them to that place first. You know, are you, are you willing to admit that you cannot go through life without having to choose to believe something? And if you can admit that, then that changes things a little bit, because then the question isn't, how do I know what truth is? The question is, which truth claim is the most likely? 
Does that make sense? Uh, if, I, if none of us can possibly hope to be able to prove everything empirically because none of us have all knowledge, then the, the question then becomes, well, which truth claim is the most likely? And, and that's, that's where I think all of us as humans all stand on equal footing is, is sort of the burden of proof is on everybody. Um, and, and so I look at it that way. Can I prove empirically in every detail that my truth is the singular truth? Um, I can't prove everything because there's some measure of faith with everything, but, uh, but I think it's the most likely. I think that Christianity gives the most likely um, answers to the primary questions of humanity, which is why are we here? Uh, you know, how did we get here? Basically, what are we supposed to do over here? You know, those kinds of questions. I think every worldview has to answer those questions. And I think Christianity gives the most logical answers to those questions. Now, the other thing is, is uh, I made the statement, nobody has all wisdom and knowledge in the universe, right? Um, except the one that created it, if you accept that someone created it. And, and so, I know and I, I believe that I don't have all wisdom and knowledge in the universe, but I also believe um, that, it, it, that God does and that God has um, the only, really the only authority to, to actually reveal ultimate truth is the one who created all things, the one that has all wisdom and, and knowledge. And so I believe that he did that. And that's why for Christians, we are people of the book because we really stake everything on the fact that God has expressed truth through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ, which are both the expression of his eternal mind um, through the word and through through Jesus. And so, so really, um, everything to me, all roads lead back to uh, the Bible and the, the, the validity of the Bible, and all roads in the Bible lead ultimately to the person of Jesus Christ, because Jesus affirmed the Bible in its totality. He affirmed the Old Testament um, he affirmed his own message, obviously, claiming to be God himself. I mean, make no mistake, that was the, that was the claim of Christ. So, so if Jesus is who Jesus said he was, then the Bible is what the Bible claims to be. And if the Bible is what it claims to be, then there is ultimate truth, and that ultimate truth is expressed in his word. Does that make sense? So f- so for me, in uh, many Christians, we, we push people to the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because if Jesus really resurrected then he was who he said he was. And if he was who he said he was, the Bible is what it is, what it claims to be, et cetera, et cetera. So really all roads lead back to the resurrection. If, if, if Jesus raised from the dead, then he clearly was who he claimed to be. And, and, and some people push back on that. I, I heard, um, oh, I forget his name. Um, anyways, somebody the other day was pushing back on that. But, but, but lots of people were resurrected in, in the Bible. Um, and that's true, but none of them claimed to be God. <laughs> See, Jesus claimed to be God, and if he was resurrected by God, then that affirms his claim that that God actually um, put his stamp of approval on Jesus and his message. You know, so it may seem like an oversimplification, but I that's where I kind of funnel people. I go, okay, start big. You know, is there truth? Okay, there's truth. Well, um, can you avoid belief in this world? No, you can't avoid belief in this world. Okay, so then what's the most likely? Uh, well, God expresses truth. If he is, if there is a God and he has expressed truth, which truth claim is the most likely? You know what I mean? And kind of, kind of go, you know, from there. I don't know if that answers or not, if that's too broad. Um, it, it is an answer. And I guess the thing that comes to mind, and again, this, uh, this is why I asked the question is because the way that that, the, the way that the answer is framed, first of all, there's a lot of structure in there that I think is um, 
very informing and they're uh, in, in a, in a good way, meaning there's a good logical set of conclusions, right? Couple things that hit me that again, are just hard for me to, to reconcile is a, there's a lot of ifs in there mm-hmm. that again, for you, you may, that if may be a solid yes to you, but coming into it, if it's not a solid, yes, it's an if. And so, again, what it feels like when it when it comes down to we all, you know, we all have beliefs. And if we all have beliefs, what's the most logical? It still feels lucky to get it right. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like it's luck. It, it is what if like or whatever, uh, you know, and because there's massive repercussions to getting that wrong. Yeah. To being wrong in this choice. Right. Um, the repercussions are massive. And, um, and so that's, you know, again, I, I struggle with that because I look around and I see, I see a lot of paths Yeah, and doing exploration down path, these, some of these paths. Um, you know, I, I'd say I've done a very shallow exploration down many paths. I've done some deeper exploration down some of the paths. And at the end of the day, um, it often comes down to this sort of conclusion, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. and and that's where it's 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 hot. It's like, well, how is one to know, right? Um, and if you don't know, then what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it it, it is hard to think about that, even for Christians, like um, that that there are people, according to our belief system, that are going to perish because they don't believe, you know? Um, but I think there, there are a lot of ifs, but I think, um, where I didn't drill down maybe hard enough is, is the validity of the proof of the resurrection. Right. And, um, and I think that's where Christianity gets a lot of traction. You know, Jesus's message was not acceptable or popular really, because it was such a, it was such a polarizing message. Um, he, he really came onto the scene and a lot of people like to paint Christ like he was just sort of this hippie that, you know, loved everybody and he never said anything offensive. In fact, he, he actually said completely the opposite. If you look at his words in the New Testament, I mean, I I came not to bring peace. I I came to bring war, you know, yeah. Oftentimes kick people out and just like, I mean, you know, he was a, there was the love, but there was also the, I mean, he was there to, there was a purpose, right? A massive yeah. purpose in being there. Yeah. And I think the, the, I think where, where it gets hard sometimes is it depends on how you view humanity. Mm. If you view humanity as sort of this neutral entity that is basically good and uh, all deserve to go to heaven, uh, then the gospel seems very unfair because it's, it sort of says, well, then the only, the people that happen to believe in Christianity, Christianity get to escape some kind of eternal hell. And that, that just seems very unfair, but, but it only seems unfair if you assume that humanity is basically good and that if left to itself, it would basically choose good. Um, that's not exactly the way the Bible would paint it. So when Jesus says he came not to bring peace, I mean, he was the Prince of peace, but in one sense, but another sense he came, uh, to divide, he said, um, he, he basically came to start a new kingdom because the kingdom of man is ultimately at war with God. Um, now, I know this is all hard to swallow, but this is really the biblical paradigm is that humanity from Adam forward has been by nature 
in rebellion towards God, worshiping anything and everything other than God, um, giving glory and credit to anything and everything other than God. And it was only for God's, uh, it was only because of God's kindness that he chose Abraham to be his and to start a new sort of a new sub race, if you will, uh, which we now call the Jews, um, to be his people. But even those people that God chose, chose, I mean, if you read the Old Testament, it's just a perpetual cycle of disobedience um, and uh, and just really wickedness, even God's people, right? Even those that he covenanted with are constantly like sacrificing their kids to pagan gods and, 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 and bringing idols into the temple and just disobeying. I mean, there's the heart is so bent against serving and obeying the Lord. And so God is patient with Israel. Um, but, but ultimately what the Old Testament teaches us is that humanity, if left to itself, um, cannot fix itself because humanity is so deeply intrinsically broken because it has been disconnected from God. And in, in the New Testament basically says there's two kinds of humans. There's the race of Adam, which is essentially by nature at war with God. And there's a new race, which is now the race of Jesus. Jesus becomes a new Adam um, and starts a new humanity. And so where I think Western minds really struggle with um, including my own, with the idea that there's only one truth and only those on the, that path, you know, um, are going to escape, um, you know, hell. We really struggle with that because we have believed this idea that humans are basically good from birth and that we all sort of deserve heaven. Um, the Christian paradigm is quite different. It's actually, um, we are all born into sin and we're sinners by nature and by choice, meaning uh, we were born inheriting a sin gene, but we also, even aside from that, Adam proved that humanity by nature would choose sin rather than God. Um, you know, so, so the old, the, again, the whole Old Testament is proving man's inability to um, choose what is right, to do what is right. And, and I mean, we have 6,000 years of human history to prove that humanity is not getting any better. Uh, we're getting more educated, but we're not getting any better. We're still killing each other. You know, we're still, there's still so much of the evil that has been rampant. And um, the Bible is basically saying God's ultimate goal is to completely renovate humanity and, and the earth. But in order to do that, he has to start over with humanity. And he does that through Christianity by people being transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. And so we believe as Christians, when you get saved, you actually, your, your heart that was turned against God in that moment is born again and transformed into a heart that now is serving God and now is ruled by God. Um, and, and so I guess I, I say all that to say, I think that's where... Um, and I know everything I said is so controversial in our current context. It just sounds crazy. But, but in reality, the Bible is, makes no qualms about claiming that humans by nature are at odds with the Lord and that humans by nature need to be completely born again. Um, and, and so I don't necessarily, even though you know, it feels unfair in my Western brain to say that God would, would take these to heaven and these not, I know that's only because I, I've been sort of spoon-fed this idea that all humanity is basically good from birth and, uh, and that we all sort of deserve heaven. You know, um, I, I think it, there's a lot of ifs in it. If you believe that it's up to us entirely as humans to save God, to, to save. But it, I actually believe that God ultimately is the one who saves, that God actually is the one seeking after humans. And God is actually the one pursuing humanity, um, pursuing individuals. 
Um, so, so that it's really, you know, largely his work. So like, it's not like you're, you're sort of like needle in a haystack. Like if you're lucky, you find it and you get to go to heaven. Otherwise you're damned. Right. Um, I think God is actually actively pursuing all humans. He's actually pursuing them with the truth um, and putting people in their path and putting truth in their path. Um, and even though humanity is sort of hardwired to rebel against God, God is graciously pursuing his own to bring them into his family, which is extremely gracious. So I'm going to, I'm going to take a leap into my, per, my personal um, seeking, I guess, or okay. questioning. Um, and that is, uh, I'm having a very hard time reconciling the, so seeking the whole sort of crux of seeking truth is very knowledge-based. It's very heady, right? And um, it feels like from the accounts that I receive from um, Christians, different believers of different belief systems, yeah, is it's not, it, it, it has nothing to do with knowledge or very little to do with knowledge. It has to do with, um, you know, like, if you're seeking knowledge, you're, you're seeking, you're, you're moving in the wrong direction. You, if you're seeking with your heart or you're seeking with, your, you know, like this openness to have, be filled, right? Or, um, but then, you know, what is, I, that's the part, you know, it's like the more seeking I do, the less clear it gets. Yeah, well, um, there's a lot of ways I can answer it. I, I, and I, don't, I, I actually think that there is a knowledge that transcends your, your cognitive ability, yeah. and that's called heart knowledge. Um, and many times when the Old Testament authors use the word um, heart, they mean mind. And the two, in many ways, are, are interchangeable because I think there are levels of think, right? There's, like, uh, there's levels of thinking um, but the reality is, 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 is what you're saying in a, in a sense almost confirms what I said earlier. And that is that humanity in and of itself cannot save itself. And I actually, I believe that, that humanity cannot come to the truth by themselves. So, um, this is where we get into the sovereignty of God, but I believe that God, um, has to reveal truth, that he reveals truth to us. Um, that those that are seeking him or looking ultimately are blind. I mean, where they're stumbling around and while, while humans sort of have, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, you know, it, there, there's an inclination for a desire for truth that I think God planted within humanity. We're created in his image. We're created for eternal things. And, uh, and so by nature, I think as humans, we long for the eternal, um, but we are stumbling in the dark. Uh, and, um, and ultimately I believe God reveals truth and turns the light on. Mm -hmm. So point. what happens to me right now if the rapture were to happen? Uh, well, it depends on if you believe the gospel or not. Uh, if you haven't believed the gospel and assuming that there is a rapture and assuming that, you know, we take the literal uh, interpretation of the book of Revelation, then you have another opportunity through seven years of pretty gnarly stuff. That's going <laughs> to, that's going to happen. Right. Um, it, the interesting part about that is, um, 
is just the notion that, um, you know, the idea of a literal rapture uh, feels like a lot of evidence <laughs> for those left behind. Um, feels like it would be really hard to deny. Oh, yeah. The, the my, rapture. My mom is a funny take on that she's like i think it's everyone's gonna say it was aliens <laughs> the aliens have abducted people i don't it what's incredible to me is humans ability to continue to not believe something when they don't want to i i think i think See, humans, i i i feel like i don't believe it's not that i don't want to it's that it, it's not presented itself in a way that's believable to me yeah does that i mean does that yeah. make sense no, i mean I think, and again I, I um uh this is what I hope I'm not conveying is uh, a lack of um, respect for what you believe. No, right? No, you're far or from that. That I, I'm. I have no judgment about when it comes to this topic. What you believe on it, I am. I am. To. And, and maybe maybe some of the answer actually lies in what I actually am doing here right now. Is it actually seeking, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm always truth-seeking. I don't know that I'm seeking to be saved, right? Right. I don't... And that's the thing that I, I guess I wrestle with is um, I feel love in my life. I feel compassion. Um, I feel pain. I feel all of the, you know, those, those sort of human heart feelings. And I feel deeply and I also work really hard, you know, and this is where philosophy versus belief systems. Like, um, I think if you look at the, um, say, you know, the rule of God, there's a lot of basic philosophical truth to the rule of God as well. Meaning if you extracted God from it, right and wrong, that is, I mean, maybe, maybe there is no right and wrong without God. I don't know. But I know that I have a feeling of right and a feeling of wrong. And that's how I operate in the world, right? And I try really hard to bring good and um, to curb bad. Like, of course, I've got compulsions and things like that that are not, um, that I don't deem as being good, and I don't act on those. Um, and so, you know, this, this, this kind of leads down a path of... Um, there's sort of a fork in the road and there's two different topical points. One is good and evil. And then the other sort of leg of that fork is love and hate. And uh, if you were to pick a path, what path do you want to go down right now? (laughs) Well, I want to back up and, yeah. And speak to, to what you were saying. I think, um, you know, sometimes you have to ask the question, how how much bad can God allow and still be good? You know, because I think I think well, how, why does God allow any if He's om, omniscient? Like if He is omnipotent, like why is there 
bad? Why is yeah. that? Or are you acknowledging, is there evil? Does evil exist? Well, yeah. I mean, okay. I believe evil exists. Well, I, I ask that because yeah. some Christians don't believe evil exists. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, definitely. <laughs> there, there's a cosmic battle going on, you know. Sure. Um, so and what spawned that? If, if God created heaven and earth um, and God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, yeah. why bad? Why evil? Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, that's a question that is above any human's pay grade. But the Bible hints at it. I think maybe you and okay. I have talked yeah. about this before. Um, the, the Bible kind of hints at it, and I think that um, there is something that God is revealing about himself, and there's something that God is doing that is eternally valuable that can only happen through redemption as opposed to God just creating a sort of perfect robotic uh, world. So there, there's something that that happens, and I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to be able to know what that is. How, how could I possibly know? I mean, God has purposes that are. Be, I mean, He created a cosmos that we can't possibly understand. So His purposes are not our purposes. His, his thoughts are not our thoughts. I mean, He's He He has all kinds of things that that we could possibly never understand. But I think that it says in Ephesians that God is revealing something about His nature that had never been revealed before, and that is you know, his grace. Um, and, and I'm not going to get into the free will and God's sovereignty thing, but there, there's a case I think to be made that, that God wanted a people, God wanted a people that, that he didn't just simply program like the angels to be perfect, perfect, but a, a people that had actually chosen him, you know, a, a people that had actually had experienced evil. And because they'd experienced evil would be able to treasure and worship God in a way that the angels never could. Cause the angels have never experienced any kind of evil. There's fallen angels, obviously. Uh, but, but, but they were created in a such a way where they had never experienced forgiveness. And it says the angels sort of look with curiosity at God's forgiveness over human beings. Now I know, I know you could, you could say, well, that's what, isn't that kind of cruel of God to create a universe so that it would fall so that he could show off his own glory? Well, I don't know if that's, I can't really tell him that he's right or wrong because he's God, you know, I don't know. Um, I know that he programmed me with an idea of what is right and wrong. And, um, and, and, but so why would he program me with something that tells me that what he's doing is wrong? I don't know. You know what I mean? You can go in that circle in that cycle. But um, I, I also believe that God knows there is nothing greater for humanity than himself and there's nothing more enjoyable for humanity than sharing himself with humanity and if there's a piece of himself he can only share through forgiveness and redemption rather than sort of just pre-programming us for perfection uh then there there may be something really weighty that he's doing something really valuable something really eternal that he's doing by allowing the world to be what it is but again i'm just i'm dealing in shadows the, and, the, and thoughts i here. guess the, the big the big issue is that it's not just a piece right of of him that he's sharing through redemption it is heaven or hell it literally is the difference between going in one direction or the other is the redemption right it's yeah. only through only that redemption yeah. in christ the, the new christ testament say you can yeah, christ alone and so that that is that puts a lot on that it does <laughs> it puts a lot on yeah, that it really does um and that is you know again i I have a hard time reconciling the image of God, including so much of that. Yeah. Because to me, the thing that's been revealed to me in life 
and uh, through the life I've experienced this far is love and compassion being the truth is, is, um, and that's, that's through what I feel. And, and when I'm in the presence of love and when I'm in the presence of that, like, um, that genuine compassion where I care as much about you as I care about me, that feels like the highest truth, the highest sense of what God is to me. That, that's what, you know, that's, and so the idea that there's all of these, there's these predetermined, these precursors, these, there's these other elements that are um, requirements. Um, they feel like constructs that don't, are unnecessary. They feel like constructs created by people who don't, um, who are de- or struggling themselves, mm-hmm. right? They're struggling themselves and trying to reconcile that struggle. And so they're creating rules or they're creating other constructs in order to get past that. I mean, the human nature, we, we dive into the idea that, yeah, there's a, there's a battle inside of all of us happening, right? That like right, wrong, good, believe or not believe, like all of those things that we're dealing with internally and <clears throat> the highest, purest presentation um, being that love that's bigger than me. And, and, and this is also where I struggle with that con- the construct as well around uh, why, you know, there's this notion of God creating man and requiring man to worship him. And also wanting to through and you said you didn't really want to get into free will. That's a whole that that is a free will determination. Like the, these different, you know, philosophies or constructs of understanding, um, those play into this conversation heavily, right? Because if it's all predetermined, then I, I'm sure. just cruising, right? I'm right. on a roller coaster. Great, You're just a robot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Well, and that's another interesting piece, though. Am I a robot or am I a, mar- am I a marble in the Rube Goldberg machine, right? There's like meaning this thing happens, which causes this thing to happen, which causes its chain reaction, right? Yeah. And it's massive. It's like infinitely large amount of reactions, right, that, that lead to that construct of determination. It doesn't necessarily mean I don't have a mind in it. It just means that there's so much creating the outcome that I don't, I'm not in control of it. So that's, that's determination. We're talking about free will and, and that God created free will for us because he was seeking us to make the choice to worship him. And to me, when I think about things that I work to overcome, it is this notion of needing someone to worship me of needing somebody to appreciate me and you know like that 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 need it's it's a thing it's a trait that we as humans work to overcome like getting attention and living through getting attention 
right? Making that be a, an intentional purpose of why I do things is to get attention. And that's one of the great things to overcome in life, I believe, is like that's not why you should do things is to get attention. That's that, that might be a byproduct, but that's not the purpose. Whereas here in this conversation, this part of the conversation, it feels like part of the purpose of a lot of these things, free will, some of these things is that we make the choice to worship God and that we were actually created to worship him. That's like the whole point of what we were made for. So why, like, that that doesn't feel right. That 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 is hard for me to wrap my head around and 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 understand to a point where I could choose to believe it, right? Um, and I and this is another question I have, which is just like believing things that don't make sense to you. Do you believe anything that doesn't make sense to you? Well, I think that I believe things that um, feel like they are incompatible within the natural or created universe. Um, but I think we all kind of do. I mean, I, <laughs> I think we all, you know, kind of have to, right? Our, well, the <laughs> whole, the whole, the whole universe is, is, is a miracle. I mean, every, there's the fact that my body's working right now. I don't understand how it's working and uh, you know what I mean? But I know it is. And yeah. I don't really get how my eyeball is focusing right now. And my brain is, you know, semi thinking, um, you know, semi effective, um, I don't, I don't understand all that, but I, but I believe it, you know, but, you know, bringing it, bringing it back around, I, I think you, you said it, I mean, we were created for God and for God alone and anything short of living for God is a misuse of what we were created for. And, and I think, I think what, what gets confusing is, um, you know, all of the things that you said as human being that you do as a human being. Um, you do those because you're created in the image of a God that's loving. The reason you experience love and you have a desire for love and to be loved and to love. And, you know, um, even though we're, I don't want to overstate our fallenness as human beings. We, we're also create, we're also image bearers of God. And so we have these kind of built in proclivities and desires for children and marriage and community and all those kinds of things. I mean, humans are mixed bags, right? We have the ability to do amazing things. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to do very evil things. Um, and that's, that's the reality of being a human being that was created in the image of God, but is now in a fallen state that, that is now sort of disconnected from God. And, and I think uh, you would probably admit as a human being, um, the idea of just sort of doing good isn't enough. It's like the, the, the people go through their whole life chasing being good or doing good or, or loving. But at the end of the day, that's still very empty because it's like, why? Like, what if you, what if you spent your whole life doing philanthropy and, 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 and being generous and loving people, but then you die and that's it. Well, well who cares? You know, you know, I've talked about this before. Like who yeah. cares? So for me, it's like, but I, I, I have that same question that is, so that question's unanswerable for me, right? When you ask that question, why, but why? I don't have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. As is true about anybody I ask about why are we created to worship God? Why is that our purpose? And the answer is that we, like there, we don't know that. We're, it's above our pay grade to know well, why God created I, us. I could, I could say this though. I could say, put yourself in God's shoes. If, if you were the ultimate value and ultimate power and ultimate everything in the universe, building 
creating people to do anything other than worship yourself would be unloving. Do you follow that? No. So, so if, if there's nothing greater than you, if you are the ultimate value and riches and joy and everything, there's, there's nothing better to give someone than yourself if you're God. Then, giving, then, 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 then calling anybody to anything other than yourself would be less than loving. If I have a billion dollars, but I give you $50, that's, that's less valuable than the billion dollars. If there's nothing more valuable than God himself, then worshiping anything other than God is actually uh, unloving. The most loving thing he can do is to, to draw you to love him and to worship him. So if, if, he is this, if he is eternal and omnipotent and omnipotent and glory, everything that he claims to be in the Bible, then the most loving thing he can do is share himself with you. And that's why I think we're created for his glory. And anything short of his glory ultimately falls short. Uh, Satan is the, the, the counter, he's the, he's the opposite of God in that he wants people to live for his glory. He wants his own glory. That was the ultimate sin in the garden, right? Was, was God said, here, I've given you everything you need. Um, and then Satan lies to the humans and says, um, actually, God's holding back from you. He has something better for you. And, and then they, they choose to, to, to eat the fruit, right, instead. And in that moment, they were deciding that they were going to leave worshiping God and trusting God and living in God and, and, and lean on their own understanding. And that's been the ultimate sin of humanity ever since, is that man says, I don't want to give God the glory he deserves. I want to live for myself. I want to do things for myself out of my own strength. And what God is trying to do is trying to restore humanity back into the worship of himself. Um, now, to, to, to me, that there's just nothing more loving he could do than, than to demand the worship of humans because there's nothing that could satisfy me more than him. Does that make sense? There's nothing that could be more satisfying than the affection that I could get from him. There's no human relationship there's no um, affirmation from my wife or my kids. And there's nothing I could do uh, out of generosity that would ever fulfill me like he could fulfill me because he's eternal and he is the source of all power and glory and joy. So for me, I think it's, it's loving for him to demand my worship and for me to worship anything short of him would almost be like, it's like letting your kid play with a knife. I mean, to, 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 to say, yeah, go ahead and just worship your stuff or your life or your health or your fitness or your career. Um, God sees that as completely empty. He sees it as, as not being able to satisfy you. So letting you go play with that is like my kid going to touch the stove. He's just like, you know, so that, and that's why, that's why God's ultimate desire for me is that I would be fully um, satisfied in him because he's no, he's no, there's nothing greater than him. One of the things that I find myself like, I guess, like all of these questions, if I were to take all of these questions, um, there's, there's a, the responses to the questions. There's still, there's an underlying issue here, the connective, lack of connective tissue between myself, my mind, my heart, and, and the, um, where you sit, your faith, your belief. And I feel like, and here's the hard part, here's the hard part, and this is why the seeking or the knowledge piece of it is hard for me to swallow, um, even though that's what I'm compelled to do. I'm compelled to continue to ask these questions and yeah. work to resolve them, but at the end of the day, um, what is the... Uh, it, more um more story doesn't answer the question yeah 
I'm Do just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'm reminded of something, and, and that is is the moment that Nicodemus came to Jesus with a similar disposition. You know, he he had spent his entire life studying book the scriptures. Is this? this is the book of John. John. Okay. So Nicodemus was sort of a high-ranking Pharisee, so he was like the teacher of teachers, right? He was the... Um, he, I mean, he would have the equivalent of probably three doctorates today. He was—he was the guy who was lecturing at the seminaries or whatever, you know, seminars, and um, and he's—he sort of has this curiosity about Jesus, because Jesus didn't come quoting other rabbis. He came quoting like he had his own authority, and there's something about him. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want anybody to know that he um, has questions, and and I think there's a similarity to the way he's feeling and then maybe the way you're feeling which is kind of like, man, I've been doing this thing, this Old Testament thing, this, these rule, I've been following the rules, I've been being a good person, I, I've achieved the heights of human, but there's just, it's like there was still something missing there. And what Jesus tells him um, is something that he couldn't grasp in his cognitive level. He said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus took that literally and he went, well, how am I gonna climb into my mother's womb? Uh, I don't understand. And then Jesus's indictment of him is, are you not the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? And what Jesus was trying to communicate to Nicodemus was, Nicodemus, the point is, is you can't figure it out. What you need is to surrender. There's a, there's a, a saying, yes, that goes beyond the cognitive. You know, you're not going to reason yourself into faith. And that doesn't mean we turn our brains off. Don't get me wrong on that. I think that our faith is reasonable. I think that the faith is to be reasonable, but I think there comes a level where surrender goes beyond your ability to figure out something. You know, you're never going to answer all your questions, but I think when God is calling somebody, he's, he's calling them to surrender at some point and say, okay, I don't have all the answers, but I know Jesus that you're the answer. And because you're the answer, I'm going to trust that you're going to teach me the answer. When Jesus approached the disciples, he didn't give them everything. He didn't tell them everything. He just said, come and follow me, you know, and, and they went, okay. And then they learned and they followed. I mean, there's so much I don't know still. There's so much that I can't answer that you've written down, but I've experienced Christ and I know that he is the truth. He is the way. Um, and, and Jesus's call for Nicodemus was for him to be born again. And what that meant for Nicodemus, and he didn't realize it at first, but I think it clicked later. What, he, what that meant was Nicodemus, everything you've ever done in your entire life, it's garbage. It doesn't matter. I want you to be a baby again. And that means that you have to, you know, what does a baby do? It, it, it gets its diaper changed. It's completely helpless. It's, it's completely at the mercy of its mom or dad. Nicodemus, even though you're the man, even though you have all the answers you think and you have all the righteousness, you've done all the right things, I want you to surrender to the point where you're basically a baby again. And you basically have to completely start over. And your entire life is going to start over with all of yourself now being found in me instead of in who you are and what you've done and what you've accomplished. And that's really what happens when you get saved. You surrender and you say, God, everything I've ever done is wrecks. It's nothing. Because there's nothing, there's nothing that can compare to you. And so I'm, I'm exchanging my life and my righteousness for your righteousness and your love and your grace. And now all that I am and my identity and everything is found in you instead of me. And even though I've done good things, um, you know, the, the gospel isn't just about surrendering your sin. It's about surrendering your good deeds, too. The good deeds that we think are enough. I mean, how many good deeds do we have to do to, to be enough? Well, we could do good deeds your whole life, and it still doesn't feel like enough because ultimately we were made for more than our own good deeds. So that's what Jesus is trying to get to this Nicodemus. He's saying, you need to be born again. And that came down to surrender, not, not this. It was beyond his cognitive ability yeah. to understand. No, and... Uh, this is this is this is good. This is progress. Uh, 
I feel like I have surrendered. I feel like I don't, um, I have a lot of questions, but I don't have to know the answer. I'm okay with not knowing the answer. Um, and I don't feel unfulfilled by having question marks in my life. I don't feel sad or pain from having the, you know, from not knowing. I don't feel like I have to find that answer to these questions. I'm curious, um, but I don't lose sleep over those, over those questions, yeah. right? And so the idea of saying, you know, to me, where I, 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 I am spiritual um, in that the, it is the most, <laughs> it's the thing that's presented itself most to me as an answer to how the heck any of this happens, right? Like it has to, there, there's something, uh, there's a higher power than, than the people that I, I've, anybody I've ever seen, heard, met in the world. There's something beyond this that created this, right? Um, and so, and the, the truest thing I've found in my life, the thing that resonates in every relationship and everything that I've done or been, the thing that feels and has resonated with me the most is love, is love and that, that can, in serving, serving and love, right? This is a lot of the same language. I feel like I've surrendered to having to know the answers as to why. I, I'm okay with not knowing why. I've also felt like, though I fear death, I fear the process of death, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of, in my mind, the conception of what death means based on my, where, you know, my belief system, right. right? So that's where I'm at right now. And um, and the reason why I continue down this path and, in, and continue with you is um, because I appreciate the path that you're on. And I feel like I learn a lot about life. And, you know, and, and that some of the why continues to get filled in. I think there's a lot of, I think there is truth in a lot of, you know, what is in that book, right? It, it resonates. A lot of it resonates. And I'm not saying that there's not, that there's untruth in the book either. But I also, I don't feel, where, where I, what I'm lacking right now is that I have to do anything different. And what that leads to, and, I, and this is the thing, I'm okay with this. Other people judge me. Other people, people who are clearly instructed not to judge me, <laughs> judge me and declare things about me and what happens to me after I die. I mean, that's on them. It's not their place, but they choose to do it. Um, 
and they make those declarations. They fear for me. I don't, I'm not afraid. That's where I'm at. Um, and again, to, just to be clear, like there, I am fearful of things in life, right? I have children, I have a wife, I've got friends and family. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world that just sounds awful. The process of death sounds terrible, sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's scary. Yeah, Jesus was afraid of, of it as well. And yeah. But at the end of the day, um, that's where the fear ends. The fear is, for me, isn't about not knowing. The fear, for me, isn't about what happens, yeah. right? I've surrendered to not having to know that. I'm okay with that. And, and that's, you know, I get back to you. Like when, when we have conversation, there's a ton that resonates. This word surrender is something that has resonated with me for a long time. And the gospel, when I read it, there's so much, I mean, it just, it resonates, Right. Love, compassion, that's what the New Testament's about. Serving, that's what, you know, what we serve, how we choose to serve it. Okay, like, that's, you know, people can debate that, but just being in service of love and compassion is, you know, to me, it's like, when I do it, I don't know that it looks different than when somebody else does it, even though we might believe different things. And so I, that's where, to me, if, if the truth is the truth, then how am I wrong? If it just is, if that's true, then why am I wrong? And if I can't know why sin exists or why God created this whole thing or why Jesus was sent here to redeem. Like if I can't understand why it is, is it enough to surrender to say, I'm here to serve it, but I don't understand it. And as a result, I don't feel like I have to do anything towards it or against it. It is. If it's truth, then I don't, ha- I don't have to do anything. It's, and so this is like, that, that's the internal, like, um, like, this might be the most honest about it that I've been with anybody, which I appreciate you, you know, helping in that way. Yeah, thanks for being honest. But that's, that's where, I, that's where I, if I struggle, it's in the conversations with other people who tell me, that the way that I think is not the right way to, to think. And, and so I want to seek, well, how do you think? I want to understand how you think, and maybe there's something I can learn there, yeah. right? But it's not because I feel like I'm, it's not because I feel like I'm right or wrong. If I felt like I was just right, then I'd just be debating somebody trying to prove that I'm right, and sure. I'd just be trying to prove them wrong. I'd be, yeah. you know, that's not what it's about for me. I am okay with what I know. I'm okay with what I don't know. If you tell me that I'm wrong and you've got a truth, I'll listen. And if it, if, 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 you know, it is, if it reveals itself to me, I'm open to it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, uh, (laughs) no, man, thank you. you. Thank you for, no, just thank you for, for being honest, man. And just, 
laying that all out, you know, and I'm, you know, I, uh, I think maybe this is the last thing I would say is I think that you've found, you've found love in this world. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. Um, but I just, my prayer, Trevor, is that you would see the source of love. Cause I think love is a great thing. And we have been given this gift by God to be able to experience love, even just as human beings. But what is love? It, I, I believe God is love. Yeah. And I believe that outside of connecting well, to him, I we're agree only with you. Y- yeah, I do. Yeah. I agree. God is love. I agree. That is the only logical mm. or illogical. That's the only conclusion to reach. That's what I find yeah. through any teachings anybody shares with yeah. me or through, you know, and, and if there is, if there is like turmoil with, in regards to that, it's the things that go fly in the face of that. It's the things that say that show a different side of God that doesn't reconcile with love. Right. And that's hard. And again, at the end of the day, if that is truth, I'm just not meant to understand it. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. why would the wrath of God, why is there the wrath of God on humanity? Why is that a thing? Why, you know, and if you can control, if it's obvious to me that natural disasters, as we see them and call them, are, are able to be controlled by God. It's declared many times in the Bible that in stories and what metaphorical or not that 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 is one way that the wrath of God is exposed, right? The flood. There's the different stories that refer to it. Sodom and Gomorrah. Like there's all these different ways in which the elements are utilized, yeah. right? To cleanse. So anyways, yeah. so well, I, again, I just now we're getting back into the get, heady part. I'll long, let you resolve. But I just I just would, so maybe like six months ago, my, my son fell out of his bed and he hit his, his eyebrow on the corner of a box. Right. And it cut it pretty deep. And my wife's like, um, you gotta, you know, take him to the emergency room or whatever. So I did. And he was only four at the time. And this might've been like a year ago. I don't know, but I take him to the, the emergency room and they're like, we're gonna have to give him stitches. And so I'm literally, you know, within 10 minutes later, I'm literally holding my son with all of my strength while he screams bloody murder and his, his, the capillaries in his eyes are bursting and it was traumatic while, while they gave him this anesthetic and then stitched his eye up and everything. And it was just like, it was exhausting. I think that love is more complex than we could possibly understand. And I think that God's love from our vantage point oftentimes looks unloving, but it's only because like a four-year-old getting stitches, we can't possibly understand why our dad's holding us down. And we can't possibly understand how God could be doing that. But in reality, he is love because he is, he, the only reason we even know what love is is because he's allowed us to understand it. The only reason we know what love is is because he's created us to be able to conceive of it. And um, we look at it through a fallen and broken and twisted world. And so we, we try to understand what he does, what he does. But ultimately, love is not a feeling. It's not even something I do. It's a person. And um, I believe God is love because God is a trinity. He's love. He's had love and community within the Godhead for all of eternity, the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Um, if God is love and God was just one, then who was he loving before creation? You know, I mean, in order for God to be love, he has to be a person. 
in order for him to be a person, there has to be someone for him to love. And, and I think, um, but, but we look at love from a very, I think a very limited scope and God sees from his, he has all wisdom and all knowledge and his love is perfect. But sometimes his love looks different. Um, but for me, it all comes back to, to, to the, the person of Jesus Christ. Like Jesus was the expression and the access point to the love of God. And, and I don't want to just fiddle around with, with sort of the fruit that's fallen on the ground, which is the love I get to feel for my wife and my kids. I want to go to the source, the source of love, which is an eternal connection infusing to the person of God himself. And that's what the gospel, that's what Christianity offers. Um, he allows us as humans to experience and fiddle with sort of the, the residual feeling of, of love in this world. But is it ever enough? No, it isn't because our kids grow up in our marriages. Uh, at some point our spouse will pass. And at some point our works are never enough and we go home wanting to do more and we retire with a feeling of unfinished. And, and that's because we were created for something more than this earth has the ability to give us. And I believe that that, that God himself, right. Is that person. But dude, thank you for, for just opening up your heart and, and being honest. And, um, you know, I just think a lot of people don't even think about these things. And even if they could, they couldn't express them. And so I just appreciate your willingness and ability to, to, you know, and I love that we can disagree and still be friends, you know, and you understand and you know that I can say, yeah, dude, if the rapture happened or whatever, you know, and, and the reason I could say that is because I love you and because yeah. I, I would be a hypocrite if I didn't say that, right? <laughs> because Absolutely. that's what the truth I believe in says, right? Yeah. And I know that you understand that. Um, it's not a matter of, of, of judgment. It's a matter of me just being consistent with what I believe is true, Yeah, you know? So, but thank well, you. I appreciate you, you and I love you and I thank you yeah. and, um, we're all, we're all on this journey, you know, yeah, man. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm really, um, I just love that you're pursuing truth and I really believe God's going to reveal, continue to reveal that, um, you know, to you. And, and in the meantime, hopefully our conversations can just be helpful for both of us as we grow and learn and think and try to figure out the complexity of life and everything, man. So absolutely. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank Trevor. You. Really appreciate you. you, man. All right. Yeah. We'll see you later.